Are you ready to elevate your doula business to the next level? I want to introduce you to the ultimate guide to crafting your kick-ass doula packages. Whether you're a seasoned doula looking to refresh your offerings or just starting out in the field, this free guide is your roadmap to success. In this guide, you'll find strategies to tailor your services for your clients, ways to make the prices sustainable for you and something that you feel really great about, and different creative ways to make your doula packages unique to you and not just the same as everybody else's in the industry. This is a free guide and you can download it right now. Head over to hurrahdoulaservices.com slash doula packages to get your copy today. Welcome to Doula Tips and Tits. This podcast is a place where we answer one question about doula work, both to support you and to help you support your clients. I'm Kaylee Harad. I've been supporting families in this perinatal space since my oldest was born 12, nearly 13 years ago. I am a birth and postpartum doula, childbirth educator, La Leche League leader, and a doula coach. I love guiding and supporting doulas as they work out their doula business. It is a tremendous joy to be trusted in this way. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Hello and welcome back to Doula Tips and Tits. I am very excited to have another special guest with us. This series of guests is coming to a close soon, but we have a few more left and I am super pumped about what they have to talk about. This lovely person that's here with me today is Katie Sham. Um, she is the director of operations at the breastfeeding center here in DC. So that is how I originally connected with Katie and got to know them. Um, but also is a certified breastfeeding specialist, a baby wearing educator, generally an amazing human being, <laughs> a good friend, I would say at this point. Um, and, and so they bring a ton of different expertise to this space um, of baby wearing and also kind of like have that actual um, experience around some of the combinations of things with breastfeeding and baby wearing and all of those different um, overlaps. So Katie, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little about yourself and how you kind of got to this place that you're at. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I always love talking to you. Um, I kind of <laughs> leave on a high every time we chat. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, I have been on the admin team here at the breastfeeding center for like 10 or 11 years now. Um, and I sort of accidentally fell into this work. I had a friend who had a really hard time breastfeeding. And so I knew, you know, it was on my radar that it was hard and it seemed like really worthy work um, that, you know, I was interested in doing, but I just had no idea. Um, and I think that leads into, you know, the conversation that we're going to have today. And because we're a small team here at the center, everyone kind of does a little bit of everything. Um, and I started informally um, helping our clients with baby wearing pretty early on. Um, and I think I felt, you know, pretty confident in that role. And it wasn't until gosh, like 2017, 2018, I'd have to, I should have probably looked it up, uh, that I trained with the Center for Baby Wearing Studies. And that really opened up for me, um, again, exactly how much there was to learn um, in this space. And um, and then I started practicing with that new skill set and have found 
every client that I meet with that, you know, we learn new things together. Um, and there is a wonderful community of baby wearing educators out there that are really collaborative that I learn from too. I love that. And also this is a safe space to not know when you trained for things. <laughs> I'm always like oh, six or seven or so years ago. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I don't remember how old is that kid that was my first client. <laughs> like how old was my kid? I know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I guess my youngest was two, so it had to have been. Not <laughs> um, year. Right. <laughs> I love that you bring the nuance of the space to the work that you do. And what I mean when I say that is that like what you just said about you learn something new every time you work with a family. I think that's super important to just like sit with that as a birth worker because there is not an arrival point of knowing everything you need to know in whatever field you're in, but especially in birth work, in education around baby wearing, childbirth ed, newborn care stuff, like there, there are new humans who we're dealing with, right, that have never been here. And so they're, they're a brand new experience every time. Not that there aren't a lot of overlaps and a lot of similarities and whatnot, but you are constantly learning things. And I think that can be a really lovely freeing space to not need to know every single thing there is to know, you know? So. Yeah. And I think it's a really hard dance. And like, I think that's why this series that you're doing is so interesting to know when you have value to add and when there's more that you could learn and when it's important to say, I don't know, but let me find out for you. Mm -hmm. um, and that is something that actually my baby wearing educator, my own, um, at the, the center for baby wearing studies, Joanna McNeely, um, starts off talking about a lot and that I found really a really valuable lens to think about, um, really like any practice that you're, you're doing. Uh, she talks a lot about the stages of competence and, um, unconscious incompetence is sort of like the bottom of that hierarchy. And that's like your Dunning-Kruger effect where you don't know what you don't know. Um, and that can be <laughs> a really dangerous place to be inhabiting. And I will fully admit that for, I think probably a few years as I was helping folks informally with baby wearing, um, that's probably a space that I was inhabiting. You know, I didn't know what I didn't know. What I had learned was like self-taught. It was through manufacturer videos. It was through a lot of YouTube videos and you can learn a lot that way. Um, and there's a lot that you're missing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think at some point it got onto my radar that I, I could do a more formal training. And that was the beginning of the intuition that there was a lot more to learn. Um, yeah. And that, so that next stage is conscious incompetence. It's the, it is that like that intuition of like, Ooh, I should probably do, I could, I should seek resources here, you know? Yeah. Um, and then from that you do the training, um, or you, you pick up new skills, uh, and you move into conscious competence. Um, and I think this is where like imposter syndrome tends to like live is like, I have learned this new skill. I haven't done a lot of practicing of it. I don't know if I'm, you know, if it's right for me to be inhabiting this space and to be helping people because it feels like such a fresh skill that you're thinking really hard about every time 
um, that you're doing it. And then I think the more that you do it, it becomes uh, just really intuitive and you aren't even thinking about it. And that can be dangerous too, because then you sort of, especially in baby land where things are changing so much, we're learning new things every day. Um, and if you aren't keeping up with those skills and, and staying on track, you can kind of, um, your skill set can kind of like fall, fall out of, uh, the current, um, information and data that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I like to think about that. And I think it's really hard to identify where you are in those stages of competence. Um, and I think for me, I try to, to refer early and often, like we talk about breastfeeding early and often, mm -hmm. um, I have no problem referring people out to other educators when I feel like someone else might be more skilled than me, um, in, in a given practice. And I think that clients I've observed at the center really feel like when they get a great referral from you, um, that's an extension of your relationship with them. And mm -hmm. that, that relationship comes back to you. And so I don't think there's any reason not, not to refer. And there's so many options for, for refer for referring out, um, yeah. you know, like why, why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like when you were talking with, uh, Tierra, if you can find really great community in this space to connect up with, um, yeah. and you're able to observe or listen in to those appointments, then those are skills that you get to pass along to your future clients. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I think it sometimes is a weird space when you are very firmly in that place of imposter syndrome and feeling like you have to prove that you know enough, right? And and often in a new space, so for new doulas in this context, that is a space that you live is, is this kind of like, I need to have an answer to that thing. Mm -hmm. And I actually think in my own life, when I like go to a pediatrician or see a dentist, I like it more when they're like, that's not my thing. Here's the person I trust for that. I want you to go talk to them. Right. Because I'm like, you actually live in your lane. Like this is your actual thing. And you're not an expert in everything because none of us are, you know? So, I mean, part of my desire in doing this is, is to bring some people out of that, like you don't know what you don't know space, right? Bring some doulas out of that spot, but also to normalize the fact that as a doula supporting families, you're not the only person that they need in their circle, right? They need other professionals and you have to have some context for when that's helpful but also even just be open to the fact that you are not the end all be all of the support that they need you know absolutely and for yeah. your own preservation you you can't be <laughs> yeah exactly none of us can be everything that some one one family needs so so i want to dive a little bit into um what are some reasons that you see that families kind of sort of scenarios where you're like, oh, I wish you'd come sooner, right? Because I think in the early days of having a newborn, every single thing is new, right? Mm -hmm. So you're kind of like, I don't know, I'm incompetent at this, just like every other thing that I try with this newborn, right? Yeah. And <laughs> so, the thing is like, I keep for it to get to that point of feeling like incompetence, like this should be yeah. an opportunity 
for self-efficacy. And so a message that I hear a lot in the baby wearing space is, you know, don't bother getting a carrier because it's like clothing. You need to fit it with your baby and your baby's going to have preferences and just wait because you just want to wait and see. And there is nothing to be gained from that. <laughs> you know, yes, yes. is going to be different. Yes. You're going to be learning your new baby and your baby will have preferences, but um, putting in the time to learn what options you have and to try a few things on in the body that you've lived in for a very long time um, is going to give you such important feedback and such learning. And if you can pick a couple carriers that you think intuitively are going to work for you and give yourself that opportunity to have the muscle memory of testing them and using them once a day for even like two weeks of your third trimester, um, then you have, it's like tying your shoes. It's not a brand new skill that you are learning um, while you are underslept in those early weeks. And it's also not hopefully something that you feel like you have to put off, you know? Um, it's something that you feel more comfortable, I hope, picking up early on when it it has the most benefit. Um, so I guess that's my first thing that I'm really passionate about and has changed my own practice um, as a baby wearing educator. I moved from doing primarily just one-to-one -one consults um, postpartum to doing a lot more prenatal education. And it, what that has meant for me is that I have clients now who know a lot and are coming to me with questions yeah. that are really informed um, and really interesting as opposed to coming with a problem that is something we could have easily solved, you know, two, two or three months ago at the, I'm thinking about buying a carrier stage, or I'm trying to sort out what will work best for my, my body and my needs and my priorities. Um, so prenatals are like, that's, that's kind of the first thing is like, let's, let's just get this started. It's, I think a little bit like the value of creating a birth plan is not in the actual decisions and like, this is the thing that I'm going to do it, do it's the thinking about it, the education, um, all of the learning and the research that you're doing, um, is part of the value of, of yeah. figuring it out. Um, and that's true, true of carriers too. It's a really big category. And I think we really like just underestimate exactly how much there is to know and to think about, um, with carrying. And then, um, I mean, I could just like talk forever. So please interrupt no, me. Keep going. This is great. <laughs> um, and then after that, I think we miss an opportunity. And part of this is because of the CPSC safety standards around weight. Um, a lot of the benefits around baby wearing are, are sort of adjacent to skin to skin, right? Um, and you can do skin to skin without a carrier for sure. A carrier can be really helpful in that scenario or a wrap. Um, so you don't have to have a carrier to be able to do skin to skin. But I think that a lot of parents um, miss out on wearing their super tiny babies um, who maybe just came home from the NICU um, or wearing their baby while they're in the NICU um, or just wearing their baby who maybe wasn't in the NICU but is under seven or eight pounds. Um, and so I think anytime you are wanting the value of skin to skin and baby wearing and everything that that can add, um, but you're having to go off label, we want to be really, really conscious of uh, best practices with safety and informed choice. Um, so that's, I guess, uh, another really big one. If, if you have 
um, a really a tiny one, a baby with any specific medical needs um, or who has undergone surgeries. Uh, and then if you have twins, that's another really big one. I see a lot of twin wearing that is technically kind of off-label use of the carrier. And um, it, it we just want to be really, really, really aware of, you know, best safety, best practices uh, when, when we're doing off-label use. And then there's a hundred other things. I mean, I could, I could yeah. keep um, for like when, when to refer. Um, but I think, you know, it makes me sad when I have a client who is coming to me with like an eight week old and they missed, they've missed out on eight weeks of carrying. Um, yeah. it was something they were really excited about doing and they just didn't, you know, they picked it up and didn't feel ready. Um, or it didn't feel, it didn't feel good the first time that they used it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that can be kind of a missed, oppor missed opportunity early on, not just for babies, but for caregivers too. It's really, you know, babies grow fast. And um, as your body is recovering, it's like weightlifting. And if you start with an eight pound baby, that's going to feel a lot different than when, you know, you're dealing with a 15 pounder later on. Um, mm -hmm. so jumping into things for shorter periods of time early on with your, your smaller baby, I think is really really important. So, you know, I think like any time that you might be tempted to just say, wait, um, wait on baby wearing because, because of the Nikki wires, um, and cords, because your baby is small, because you have twins, because it's not feeling easy for you and your frustration tolerance is really low because you're not sleeping and you have this, um, you know, baby who's crying all of the time. Those are all situations where the carrier could add things, but we probably need a little bit of extra help and expertise to make that work um, so that it does feel easy for the family. Um, and then like caregiver kind of concerns where I think there's some extra nuance and complexity and it might be helpful to have um, an educator help with our like Anytime there's uh, been a C-section, so that's what, I mean, you know the rates better than I do, like nationally, mm -hmm. talking about like 30-something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of families. Um, and then pelvic floor concerns. Um, and then people who just have like chronic pain, like that's a lot of folks. Um, there's a lot we can do with the carrier to make that work. And I think sometimes feel like, well, carrying isn't an option for me. And my answer or my question about that is, well, do you need to carry your baby? Because babies expect to be carried. And if the burden of carrying um, in arms is greater, which it is, that's one of the few studies around baby wearing that we have, uh, what, I mean, a carrier would add a lot of value here um, for somebody mm -hmm. having chronic pain or who has disability. Um or is struggling, yeah. you know, their pelvic floor. Um, yeah. So I think about all of those things a lot. Yeah. Um, I think, can I stop you for one second? Yeah. Because you have loads of amazing information. Um, I think that one of the things you were talking about with the prenatal education ties very much into this that you just said to me, because I think what we sometimes do in life in general is assume that what we've seen and heard about is the full range of what going back to that you know we don't know what we don't know sort of thing um and actually at the center the other day a parent said to me wouldn't it be amazing if there was a baby wear for a wear like wearing something for swimming and i said 
oh, there are. And she was like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and she's like, oh, uh, show me, what do you mean? There are baby wearing, you know? And, <laughs> and it was just like a casual conversation. She wasn't like, I'm having this crisis, you know? But she was like, uh, I'm gonna go home and buy one on Amazon so we can go to the pool with the toddler, you know? But I think sometimes what happens in baby wearing is we see one person with one type of carrier that we're like, I wouldn't do that, or that would hurt my shoulder, or that wouldn't work for me because of the size of my belly or something. And then we're just like, "Mm, I guess I can't do that thing, you know? And the reality is, I I mean, on my third baby is when I learned about various types of carriers because the, the one carrier worked for the other two kids. And that new third kiddo needed something different. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you have to be born. I have to do this. Right. I learn, you know, yeah. cause we have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think, I think part of the value I see when I'm talking to clients about going to like one of your classes or, or, you know, coming for a consult is that you aren't going to necessarily know if you really can or want to do baby wearing unless you actually know your different options. Because if you're just looking at one kind of crappy carrier or one carrier that you don't love how it works or it's confusing or whatever, then you're making a decision on very little information when it actually could be incredibly beneficial and helpful to you and your baby, you know? Totally. I think also uh, something you just said reminded me of just the, at at the buying stage, having a little bit of input on that. Like we think about that a lot. Um, And I feel so bad for the folks who end up using their insurance credit on their breast pump on a pump that is terrible um, because the DME or whoever, you know, was on the other end of the phone when they were ordering it gave them, you know, not ideal advice Uh, there, there was a missed opportunity there for, you know, to get a great pump. Um, and the same is true in baby wearing. I, I meet with a lot of folks who spent new fresh money on, um, a carrier that just might not be the best option for them and for their needs and what they're expecting to do with it. And, um, that money could have gone a lot further with a different carrier option, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, what would you say if you if you're thinking from kind of the perspective of a doula or someone who's working with pregnant families and postpartum families what would you say their like layers of referrals could be like i'm thinking you know one is your class one is maybe if there are online referrals that are just like more basic like there are other kinds of carriers you know like something like that or like, when is a good time to do like a one-on-one with you? Like that kind of, those layers, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of options out there. So like, I think we start with, you know, in, in terms of our baby wearing learning, a lot of people start with their manufacturer videos. And I think that that's for some people, a fine place to start. They can get pretty far with that. That's an okay place for them to learn and they get a pretty optimal fit. Um, and that might be the realm where, you know, a doula can inhabit really easily um, to help with that. And if things are getting derailed at any point at the manufacturer video stage, which they often are, mm-hmm. um, then I think we want to look at other options. I, I would say like always, always, always look for those prenatal classes and resources yeah. um, about what your carrying options are, just so that we get carrier options that 
that are going to be optimal for the ages and stages and, and expectations you have around wearing. Um, and then beyond that, there are baby wearing groups in every area, in every city. A lot of them shut down under COVID and that's uh, really sad. Um, we are working on building up community here at the center um, for DC in suburban Maryland. There is Patuxent baby wearing. Um, and there used to be a group in Fairfax. I don't know if they are currently meeting. Um, and I think that that can be so valuable to just meet with other parents who are wearing, because like you were saying, just seeing someone else do it, uh, is, is so informative and it makes it feel like this is an option that I have. And so seeing a variety of wearing options in your community and seeing people actually execute that, uh, I think is, is really an important context, um, that, missing in a post-COVID world, you know, like we just have lost a lot of like our, our various like meetup communities, um, where you might encounter that. Um, and then yet yeah, like YouTube and TikTok and IG are <laughs> resources and they're not your baby wearing educators. So like yeah. you get, I think really can get really great advice. I think it's useful to get a list of trustworthy sources <laughs> before you go down those rabbit holes. Cause there's also a lot of not optimal videos that I've seen in those spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I could give you a list of like, I don't know, 10 or 20 educators who are really, really wonderful, who have great tutorials in each of those spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are really great referrals. And then beyond that, we're looking at like a one-to-one -one with an educator and um, the Center for Baby Wearing Studies will have a really great list of educators um, in your area. A lot, a lot of folks do online um, or video call uh, education. So you could meet with someone that way. Um, certainly you can do that with me, uh, mm -hmm. but you can find other resources out there too. And I think that that's really important in a variety of scenarios, like for anyone who just wants to cut down on the amount of research time that they have to do. There's so many things you have to research as a parent, you know, oh uh, like I did this around car seats. I just did not want to spend, I didn't want to sink a whole day into learning about car seats. Yeah, <laughs> I just totally to tell someone like, here's what I'm looking for. Can you spit me out like a few answers of like, what would fit this bill? Um, yeah. and that the best money that I spent, I don't even think it was like more than $50. And it was like a 20 minute conversation and was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I think that a one-to-one -one can kind of inhabit that space too. And I am happy if your client is okay with you joining, um, to have you observe, you know, our, our one-to-one -one meetings, either virtually or in person here at the center. And I know a lot of baby wearing educators who would feel the exact same way. Um, and then I think the areas in which it gets, it becomes really important to seek one-to-one -one help are when um, you have a medical concern or your baby has a medical concern. So like we were talking about for preemies, for babies who have reflux or heart conditions um, or who are really small. Um, and then for parents who have PMADS, I think that's another area where there's like a little bit of a missed opportunity where they would benefit so much from having a carrier. And those are also the folks that are going to have a really low frustration tolerance for learning a new skill. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but would benefit so much from being able to get out of the house with a carrier, from being able to take care of their bodies and um, feed themselves because they have a carrier um, and might benefit from being able to monitor their baby and feel their, you know, their baby's breath on their chest and feel that warmth and get that positive hormonal feedback and the oxytocin and the down regulation of the stress response. Mm-hmm. Um I think is all, all really important. And then I hear a lot of my baby hates the carrier and I'd say (laughs) all of the time, that's not the case. And there's something about this process that we can change that will, will transform that. So, um, if that's a phrase that you have uttered, I would say that's definitely (laughs) the time to, to touch base with an educator. Um, And then the last one is, I think, you know, so closed ancestral or cultural practices. So like, I do not come from um, a culture uh, that I come from a, a, I have broken baby wearing traditions. And so they're all things that I've learned anew. Um, But for folks who are wanting to connect with an ancestral practice um, within their culture, I would always, always, always refer them to to someone within their culture who, and there's lots of folks out there uh, who can teach them those skills. So like Mexican Riboso. Um, yeah, not a lot of the other ones I, I would refer out for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm laughing when you say, you know, my baby hates the carrier because I feel like every single client I've ever had who did baby wearing said that at some point. Yeah, and totally. I'm always like, well, I mean, they're just like in the moment when you put them in, either you really suck at putting them into it. <laughs> and that's what they hate is that like process of getting them in or they're like, already kind of pissed at life in that moment and they just are mad you know like so they need some soothing and the carrier's not making it worse but it's gonna make it better at least for you because it relieves some of the pressure on your arms and your upper back you know um but yeah it's a very very common phrase (laughs) yeah totally yeah i do think um one other thing that i I think is just helpful to to emphasize is you brought up, you know, folks dealing with any kind of mental health stuff. I think when I'm dealing with an over with like a um, someone who's dealing with a significant amount of anxiety, especially in the postpartum time, having an expert reassure them that what they're doing is safe is huge. And so I would often refer someone like that because of the reassurance of you double checking what they're doing, even if what they're doing looks correct, you know, because I think that gives a freedom to continue doing it and using it freely as a tool. When you've had some reassurance, someone's eyes have been on you and your baby in this carrier, and you're not just like assuming that you're doing it right, you know. And using really specific words to list off Ooh. what you're seeing that looks um, yes. optimal and safe. Um, yes. So if you don't feel confident in, um, as a doula, in being able to describe safety and what that looks like, that would be a really great opportunity to refer out. And I, I see a lot of folks who want that positive feedback um, that yeah. what they're looks really safe. Um, and I have clients follow up with me and send me photos, you know, like weeks later, that's another category too, that I think is like important to talk about. If you don't feel, because doulas, I think are operating, um, in the very early postpartum space often and not, you know, I'm sure this is different for some postpartum doulas, um, who may be working with older babies, 
but a lot of, a lot of doulas are working with really, really fresh newborns. Right. And, um, I think there's some anticipatory guidance around baby wearing that can be really beneficial too, to talk about what it looks like over the scope of development, um, and to normalize that. So I try to, um, just, drop little mentions of how this can change, what it might look like a month from now, two months from now, how we can um, tweak this carry when you start to see these developmental changes, because otherwise I um, have folks come back and say, my carrier stopped working for me. It got uncomfortable. My baby didn't like it at this age. Mm -hmm. Um, Really what we needed was just a different carry, um, or a different way of thinking about wearing. Um, so I think that's the important thing to normalize. And so I think if you don't feel comfortable talking about baby wearing within the scope of development, that can be a really great opportunity to, to refer out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that because I do, I feel like as I'm, as I'm coaching, right. As I'm, as I'm like, in this space of teaching other doulas, I find there's so much in my head that I don't realize is there that I need to try to get out. Um, And one of the things I do is I love slings. And so if I have a brand new baby in a sling, oftentimes I just kind of toss them in there, right? Like, which is not literally, but I'm very comfortable with it. And I'm very comfortable putting them in in a safe position, comfortable with how it should feel on my body. So I do it really quick and easy. And oftentimes parents are just like, wow, you know, (laughs) but they're also saying to me, okay, so how she is in there is safe. Right. And what is that? Like, how do I know? And I'm like, look, you see how my, my, I can like reach down and my chin right away hits her head. You know, like I, if I'm looking at her, I can see that her chin is up and not down and her, you know, she's breathing in this way and her head is facing like this. And so I can give them actual, like, this is why I know that this is the right fit on my body. Aside from the fact that I do it once a week, at least for babies, usually, you know, but I think that also grows people's confidence in their own understanding of how their baby and their body work with their carrier, because that's ultimately what's going to give them good information about whether or not this current carry is accurate and, and safe, you know? I think that that made me think of another thing. That's another thing that I feel passionate about, which is um, empowering people to feel that level of confidence doing the carry completely on their own. So if you don't feel comfortable teaching someone through mirroring and without any hands-on touch, um, being able to describe it in detail, being able to mirror what uh, what they need to be doing with the carry, um, there's nothing that me using my hands to do it for a client will help with. Um, and so I feel really, really strongly that demonstrating and having them demonstrate it back to me uh, several times so that they feel really confident in their ability to do this solo is so, so vital. Um, and so if you're finding that, I guess, as you're teaching folks, like you have to use your hands a lot, um, Mm -hmm. that might be a cue to, to just, uh, listen to the way that, that someone else teaches. And I love listening to the way other educators describe and in any field, how they describe their work, um, and what their shortcuts are and the language and cues that they use to describe, you know, what's important. Um, is really, really cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love that. And I think that's a, and also like a great reminder of how in this work, all of us are sort of, well, most of us are aiming towards graduating our clients from needing us, you know, like that's part of your hope is helping people get confident in their baby wearing and then like go off into the wild and wear their baby, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, doulas, that's our job. I always tell people postpartum doulas should be like working themselves out of a job. That's what they, that's what our hope is, is that you don't need a doula for the rest of your life. Although that would be lovely that you feel confident and and we us being there becomes just like a a bonus thing rather than like a dire need you know so yeah wonderful well i have i think said this every single episode so far in this series that we need to have another episode because (laughs) we have loads more that we could discuss um and i wish i could just go into all the amazingness that is the breastfeeding center even so maybe that's what our next episode will be on but i um really 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 appreciate you taking some time to share your knowledge and expertise with my listeners is there any last thing that you want people to know before we kind of wrap up this episode no i mean i think the you know i so definitely feel free to email me Yeah, I guess the last thing I would say is just I'm I'm really available and I know a lot of other baby wearing educators who um would love to be available to you too. So, um I will give my contact or Kaylee, you have my contact information. Yes, I will put your info. <laughs> um feel free to email me, feel free to, you know, touch base with your clients and ask if they're comfortable with you joining for appointments. Um and yeah, I would love to be a resource. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll make sure that the breastfeeding center, um, baby wearing classes and groups are in the show notes as as long as well as um, Katie's information so that you can connect with them. Um, And if you're looking in your area, you're not here local to DC, I'll also put the baby wearing educator kind of database that you can search who's who's near you. But Katie does offer virtual stuff and honestly is amazing. So Katie would be a great resource for you too, even if you don't live here. Um, Katie, thank you again. I so appreciate you being on. And to all the listeners, we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Doula Tips and Tits podcast. If you learned something today or had an aha moment, we'd love for you to share that on Instagram and tag us at Haradula so we can celebrate alongside you. If you found this podcast helpful, we would so appreciate you taking a second to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app. That helps other doulas find us as we do this work together. This podcast is intended as educational and entertainment. It is not medical advice or business advice. Please consult your own medical or legal team for your own needs around.